On today's episode, I am joined by Ben Pope of the Chicago Sun-Times to discuss the Blackhawks' ongoing search for their next general manager, a couple of players who could or could not be dealt as we approach the trade deadline, which is officially less than a month away, and also some thoughts overall on youngsters Kirby Doc and Lucas Reichel. All that and plenty more right here on Locked On Blackhawks. Your Locked On Blackhawks, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, folks, joining me now on Locked On Blackhawks is none other than Ben Pope from the Chicago Sun-Times, the young gun on the Blackhawks beat. Ben, thank you for taking the time to join me today. I always appreciate it. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Always fun when we can get together for a chat, even if the Chicago Blackhawks have been a little bit of a disaster this season. That's kind of where um, we can kind of start things off, even though it has not been the season that anyone was hoping for out of the Chicago Blackhawks. We're reaching a, a pretty crucial, crucial stretch here for a couple of different reasons. And one of those is the decision on who's going to be the next general manager for the Chicago Blackhawks. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, we kind of heard some rumblings that Kyle Davidson, who's currently serving as the interim general manager, was the front runner for the job. I was curious if um, you've kind of heard the same. Is that still the case? And um, if it's not, if Davidson winds up not being the choice out of the other six candidates, who would you prefer to see the candidate or candidates you would like to see in the running for the Blackhawks next general manager? Well, I think to start off, I think Davidson is still the front runner. Um, I think maybe not as clearly as he was a few weeks ago or a few months ago. Um, I think the longer this drags on, the more obvious it becomes that they are seriously considering these other candidates. But um, he still has to be the front runner, especially that he knows the team pretty well. Uh, he's come up through the organization. Uh, he has relationships with the players and coaches and um, agents all, already. So as we enter the trade deadline, it'll be, it would be easier for him to segue into that than it would be for someone new who they brought in. And obviously that's sort of the first priority they'll have to deal with. So um, I think he's still the front runner, um, but it sounds like certainly they are going to consider legitimately these other candidates. And it's not just kind of for show, which I think we initially thought it could possibly be um, part of this search. So uh, as far as who I'd prefer, um, I, I know Eric Tulski well from, my days in Carolina. He is um, absolutely a genius. Um, his background, he went to Harvard. Uh, he went to Berkeley for a PhD. Uh, he worked in nanotechnology. Uh, he knows physics and chemistry. Uh, he's uh, truly one of the smartest people I've ever talked to or ever met. And so for him to segue from that into hockey the past 10 years and um, bring all of that sort of statistical expertise to this sport that has been kind of behind the times with that um, and, and really make a big impact with that in Carolina has been impressive. And I don't know if anyone really has the same resume that he does. So uh, that would be really cool to see him get the job. I think it would still be a challenge for him to, to sort of take on some of the other responsibilities as far as the contract negotiations and all the running the whole department because he's been more of a numbers guy in Carolina. Uh, but I think it'd be cool to see him. And uh, I think a lot of the candidates have something interesting to offer. Um, it's just, I think it's been nice to see them go outside the box with a lot of these, uh, except for Peter Shirelli. Uh, that, <laughs> I'm in the same maybe boat. Not, maybe not on that one. Um, but 
I, I can't really like say too much about them because I don't know the others that well. Um, most of them have been operating kind of behind the scenes with their respective organizations. Um, but it, from what I've heard and from what I've seen sort of on the surface, they do seem to have a number of qualified candidates. Yeah, Eric Tolsky seems to be one of the fan favorites uh, uh, among the Blackhawks fans as well. Uh, one idea I wanted to brush by you as well, just a thought that I've had. Um, we've also kind of heard that, I don't know if this is still the case, but if Kyle Davidson weren't to become the next general manager, um, there were kind of rumblings that they'd still like to keep him on with the organization in some way, shape or form. I I've kind of thought about what if they, you know, bring in a guy like Tolsky and then they can also maybe still have Davidson and not have to eliminate one of the candidates that they like, not have to choose one. Is that something that you've thought about as well or something you think could be a good idea for the Blackhawks or even possible? Yeah, I think that's certainly a possibility. I know Davidson throughout his time as interim GM has been um, kind of preparing for the possibility that he could uh, eventually go back to being an interim GM if they brought in someone else permanently. So I think that's always been on the radar. That's always been known as a possibility. And I think he would be willing to do that, at least in the short term. Um, so that, that would be an option. They would keep that, exp that experience and the expertise and be able to bring in a fresh perspective. I think in the long run, though, Davidson has clearly proved that he's, uh, you know, he's a rising star in this field. He's going to be a GM at some point. So if the Hawks don't hire him to be GM, uh, he may well look for other opportunities in a couple of years down the line uh, because he's definitely becoming known around the league um, as a guy who would be a candidate for that. So I think that would be the danger of moving him back to assistant GM um, and hiring someone else. I think maybe another possibility, and, and this isn't anything I've heard specifically, but just something I had thought about. Scott Mellonby, one of the candidates, uh, isn't currently employed. He was part of the, the Canadians' clearinghouse in November. Uh, he's just been kind of hanging out since then. Um, so he theoretically, I don't know if he's open to this or willing to this, but he is a guy you theoretically could bring in uh, as some sort of advisor or in a role beneath the GM uh, because he's not with a similar position for another team. A lot of these other guys, they probably wouldn't make a lateral move like that, but, but Mellonby is one possibility uh, potentially that they might be able to bring in even if he's not hired as GM. Definitely something to keep an eye on as the Blackhawks are probably, I'm thinking, going to be making this move sometime rather soon as we're now less than a month away from the trade deadline. Uh, I guess we can kind of transition into that since it's probably going to be the meat of this episode here, Ben. Um, first, uh, I think we'll start with Brandon Hagel because there's been a lot of news surrounding Hagel as of late. We heard a report from uh, Frank Saravalli of TSN on his daily face-off podcast last week that the Blackhawks had been offered a first round pick and a prospect in exchange for Brandon Hagel. And when you saw that, Ben, uh, what was kind of your initial reaction? And do you think the Blackhawks should be thinking about trading Hagel at this point? Well, I was shocked to see that report from, from Sarah Valley. And obviously he's a, a trusted insider. He breaks a lot of news, so I'm uh, not going to doubt it. But it was very surprising to me. Um, from what I've heard, the, the Hagel stuff, it's not that it is wrong, but it's probably been overblown a little bit. I think it's very unlikely that he's traded. The Blackhawks really like him, uh, as their fans do too. Um, they, they want him on the team. We heard Derek King very <laughs> clearly vouching for them to keep him, um, to not trade him. So uh, I think it's very unlikely he's traded. It's certainly possible. He's not 
completely off the table, but he's as close to off the table as someone who's on the table can be. <laughs> um, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't get too worried about that if you're a huge Hegel fan, and I know there are a lot of them out there. Um, it was interesting, though, to hear Hegel himself uh, even comment on that uh, reported offer for him that he's, he's a sixth-round pick of Buffalo. He, they didn't even sign him. The Hawks brought him in as a free agent. Uh, he wasn't in the NHL like 13 months ago, um, and now he's improved his reputation that much that he's potentially worth a first-round pick and a prospect. I mean, you have to take that as a compliment, and that's exactly what he said. He seemed kind of complimented, kind of surprised, and honored by it. So it's cool to see him have that kind of approach to it and that very healthy mindset. Um, I think that's cool to see, but I don't think he needs to start packing up just yet. I was thinking, and I mentioned this on, um, on my show yesterday, if you told me at the beginning of the season that the Blackhawks were going to be offered a first round pick for Brandon Hagel and they would say no, like just a first round pick alone, not even including a prospect, I'd be like, wow, that, that definitely would not have seen that coming. Uh, and, and another thing I think, um, I, I know a lot of Blackhawks fans out there, they see we don't have a first round pick in next year's draft and they're so desperate to get one with the state of this team right now. Brandon Hagel is one of the few players on this team who is cheap and the team is going to have control over him for the next two to three years. I think that's probably the biggest thing of it all, right? Obviously his progression has been amazing in his year and a half at the NHL, but for $1.5 million for two more years after this, and he's going to be a restricted free agent after that. I mean, I think that's probably playing a big factor as well, right? Yeah. The, the contract is tremendous. Uh, that's uh, Stan Bowman. One of his <laughs> few good moves in his last summer was, getting that contract signed. And that's part of why he has the value that he does um, because he has another two and a half seasons of team control at 1.5 million. Um, but I, I mean, for the Hawks perspective, I, I don't think the salary cap is going to be a huge issue for them the next few years as they go into a rebuild and a lot of their big contracts come off the books um, this summer and next summer. So uh, that's certainly great to have them signed so affordably, but it's not you know, going to be a huge issue where they're going to need to just try to get all these affordable contracts. I think they're going to they're gonna have plenty of cap space to work with the way that the team is headed. Yeah, that unfortunately seems pretty likely going forward. Uh, another guy I definitely had to ask you about is Dylan Strom. Of course, he's been the talk of the Chicago Blackhawks on the ice uh, for most of the season. And, you know, finally, once he's gotten this actual legitimate opportunity to show off his skill set, I mean, honestly, he's been their best center this season. Um, but I was just curious, as far as you you know, is I mean, he's been on the trade trade block for two years now, it seems like. Um, do you think he he's still there? And do you think he's likely to be dealt in the next month? Or do you think the Blackhawks are kind of going to stay put and see what happens in the offseason? Yeah, I feel kind of bad for Dylan. He's he's ridden the roller coaster over and over. He's just stuck on the roller coaster at this point. Um <laughs> I think. I think he's certainly still possible to be traded. I, I don't know if he'll ever completely come off the trade block. Um, just partially the way he plays, he, he is kind of inconsistent. Obviously, the role and the playing time have something to do with that, and I think he's proven the past month, now that he's back in the top six regularly, that he deserves to be there. But he can be inconsistent. He he isn't the best defensively. Uh, he's a, a poor skater. Like There are flaws in Strom's game. Um, and I think that's going to make it so he's maybe never completely secure as long as he stays with the Blackhawks. But it does seem like this recent good stretch has kind of tilted it. I guess 
there are two ways this could have gone where he would play well, he would raise his trade value, the Hawks would see an opportunity to finally get some value for him, uh, because from what I've heard, they really weren't getting many offers at all in the past, and they would finally jump at that and move him. Or he would play well, the Hawks would be a little bit encouraged by what they saw and, and want to keep him around. And it seems like nothing definitive, but it might be tilting towards the latter outcome right now. Like It seems like things have quieted down a little bit, in terms of the rumors and in terms of the chaos and the storm front. And for now, he's relatively, by his standards, secure. So um, we'll see what happens in the next month. Certainly, he could be moved. Uh, I think we're going to see all sorts of ups and downs in this stretch and and guys that maybe we haven't heard of yet or or guys we have been talking about sort of fall off the rumor buzz. But I think Strom, for now, is is not in his most chaotic time. Another guy who's kind of in that tweener stage right now for the Blackhawks as well is uh, Dominic Kubalik, although it's kind of a much different situation than Strom is in. Um, no doubt it's been a, a tough season all around for Dominic Kubalik up to this point. Um, but my question for you is, do you think the Hawks should be shopping him when um, A, he could potentially be a bit of a cheaper re-sign with his down year right now and also B, the Hawks would kind of be selling a bit low on him at this point, would it seem? Do you, do you feel like they should be shopping him or someone they should kind of wait and see what they could give him in the offseason? It could be a pleasant surprise. Yeah, that's that's a good point. And that was something I was thinking about lately, that his season has gone from being concerning to being just outright bad. And perhaps one factor could be that maybe uh, it lowers the his that price he can ask for in his next contract. and. It's something certainly they'd have to talk to his agent about, but if they're getting the sense that maybe they would be able to work something out where they don't qualify him at the 3.7 million, uh, but then still quickly re-sign him at a lower value, um, then I think that is probably an avenue they should consider. But if it sounds like he's going to to want another contract at 3.7 million, or if they don't qualify him, test the free agent waters at large, then I think you probably look at trading him because he. He really is not bringing a whole lot to this team right now. And even though it's only his third season in the league, he's close to turning 27, I think. So it's not like he's super young, going to be part of the long-term rebuild. Um, I think it also depends on what they're getting offered. Um, If they're getting a fifth-round pick offered, I mean, there's not a whole lot there. Like, maybe you still do it, but it's not super convincing. If you're getting a second- or third-round pick, then you probably do it. Um, so it, there's obviously, you could say that about anyone. It, it's part of the asking price and affected by the, the contract and everything. But, but yeah, that's kind of the situation I'd say with him. All right, my conversation with Ben Pope from the Chicago Sun-Times will continue on in just a minute. But first, I need to talk to you all real quick about Bet Online. Football season may be over, but Bet Online still has way more odds and info for both pro and college hoops as things start to ramp up. From game scores, totals, player performance props, to where the next fired coach is going to land, Bet Online remains your number one spot for all sports betting here in 2022. And it's not just basketball. From the NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, do not wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2022 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and Vegas casino games. Bet online, where the game begins. 
Kubelik's a, a guy that another guy that I kind of feel bad for because the whole offense is really struggling as a whole, right? Even like a couple of weeks ago, Patrick Kane wasn't putting up Patrick Kane numbers per se. Um, and his shooting percentage is way down from what it was in his first two years. Obviously, he was, you know, third in the Calder Trophy voting as a rookie, had 30 goals, found a ton of success with Jonathan Taze. He hasn't been the same player either. So I, I feel like Kubelik just it, it hasn't been working in his favor, right? And he's another guy I feel like is is kind of hard to judge in a season like this a little bit. Um, and my concern is just that one terrible, I know it's been pretty bad. We're, we're going to call it what it is. It's been a bad first half out of Dominic Kubelik. But my concern is just what is one bad first half enough to trade him? You, you think it still is considering his age and where the Blackhawks are going in the future? Yeah, I mean, I mean, we're two thirds of the way at this point. It's beyond half. And I think, I mean, he has maybe two points in his last 12 or 13. I'm not sure the exact numbers there, but it's not like it's trending towards getting better. And I think you also have to look at last year. I mean, he was fine last year, but it wasn't the way he was his rookie year. He is, look at pretty much every metric, whether it's points or his shot rates or his accuracy. Um, he's been declining each year steadily. Um, it's not just that he sort of dropped off this one half season. So I think that's kind of the the logic why you're a little bit concerned about what value he'll have in the future and what kind of role he can play long term. Last question I have on uh, the trade deadline front, Ben. I wouldn't be doing doing my job well if I didn't ask you about good old Mark Andre Fleury because obviously, from an outsider perspective and from the Blackhawks organization, it, it makes far too much sense for the Blackhawks to trade him at this point. But we do know that Flower obviously is going to have his say in this matter. Um, I was just curious, you know, kind of it seems likely, but we've also heard Flurry say some interesting stuff when he's talked to the media about this. He hasn't even really talked to the Blackhawks himself, although he did say he thinks his agent Alan Walsh has. Um, I was just kind of curious as to like your percent chance of Flurry being dealt with in the next month. Would you say it's 60, 40, 70, 30, 50, 50? Um, and also, do you think it's possible for the Blackhawks to get a first round pick in exchange for Flurry at the deadline with the way he's been playing? Yeah, I would. I guess I'd probably go around 60 percent. That's just a rough guess. Um, I do feel more confident now that he is willing to be traded. I think we initially were a little unsure if he'd be down for that, considering how, how reluctant he was to come to Chicago. And then when he finally got settled here. Um, it seems to be liking it if he'd want to move again in season. Um, it seems like he is open to doing that if it's to a place that he wants to go, that he feels like has a chance to win the Stanley Cup. Um, so I, I'm less concerned about him vetoing a trade. But I think it's still, I mean, even though Flurry is a, a great player, a great guy, um, someone who would most teams would love to have, it's still, I guess the issue is this isn't a great year to be dealing a goalie. There just aren't that many teams that where it makes a lot of sense. I, I think the, the two that really do are Edmonton and Washington. And those are two situations where coincidentally, I'm not sure if Flurry would want to go. Um, Edmonton being in Canada, I know a lot of players don't want to go to Canada right now, the way the COVID situation and the political situation is, and just kind of a bit of dysfunction going on there. And two, Washington obviously needs a goalie too, but their path would kind of go through Pittsburgh, and I don't know if he wants to, to go with that. So that's kind of the challenge. The two most obvious suitors are places that, that maybe Flurry wouldn't be a big fan of. 
Now, he might be. I don't know. We haven't heard from him specifically on that. I haven't talked to him about that. Um, but, but it makes sense that he might have some reservations there. I mean, you look at Pittsburgh. Tristan Jari's had a good year, but, but maybe they'd be interested in a reunion. Um, we heard Vegas, a report from Frank Valley, <laughs> as you mentioned, but then that was immediately shot down. Colorado would kind of make sense, but they don't have a first-round pick, I think. Um, Toronto, maybe, but again, that's a Canada situation. Um, and Campbell has done pretty well there. So there's, there's not really like a clear, like, oh, this would make total sense kind of team. And that's a little bit why I'm hesitant to say that for sure he'll get traded. As far as the first-round pick thing, I think that's probably the ceiling of what he's worth. I know the Hawks would absolutely love to get that, even though it would probably be like in the 24 to 32 range, um, a lot lower than their own pick will be. Um, that would still be huge. I think they might have to sweeten it a little bit to get there. They have three third-round picks. So maybe if you tack on one of those to Fleury, it could bump up the return offer from a second to a first-rounder. Um, they'll certainly probably be retaining 50% of his cap hit, which um, they can easily do and, and probably would maybe help his value a little bit. Um, so there's maybe some things they can do to get creative to try to bump that value up into the first round range. But if they manage to do that, that'll be a huge success. I don't think it's a guarantee at all that they will be able to get that for him. And I also wanted to get into some stuff on Blackhawks top prospect, Lucas Reichel, who's now Four games into his NHL career, he's played the last two. He had a two-game stint earlier on in January as well. And, of course, if he does wind up playing in nine games, that would burn off a year of his entry-level contract. Do you think the Blackhawks should be willing to risk that this year, or, or do you feel like the AHL is a fine place for Reichel to be for the remainder of the season and not have to burn off a year that's kind of already lost? Yeah, this is an interesting subject. I think we had assumed that they were going to keep him under the 10 games for a while. It now seems like maybe that's not as much of a factor in the decision-making as we thought. Um, hearing Derek King talk today about where he thinks the Reichel will be the rest of the year, he was talking about the AHL as in he wants them to get that playoff experience. The ISOGs Hogs are in a playoff spot right now. He's their leading scorer, even though he's missed some time lately up within the NHL. Um, but it didn't seem like the 10-game thing was really a part of that. And uh, it seemed almost like King might think, be thinking of having him on the Hawks for a few months here um, and just having him go back to Rockford for the AHL playoffs or something. Um, so I think it's possible they are willing to burn that. If it was up to me, I would probably keep him under that 10 games and get the extra year. But it seems like the Hawks are not as um, – it's not as important to them as they, they really just want to do whatever is best for his development. and they're kind of figuring that out as they go and, and being patient with him. But if they feel like he's NHL ready or can even benefit from just being around the team, they're willing to do that, even if it does burn the year in the end. So I think this is a situation we're going to get a lot more clarity on in the next couple of weeks, um, certainly based on whether he keeps playing NHL games, but also just um, we'll get more information from King and, and hopefully from a permanent GM on exactly what the plan is uh, the rest of the year with him. I also wanted to ask you about uh, a couple of defenseman prospects who a couple of years ago were probably numbers two or three in the system for the Blackhawks and Ian Mitchell and Nicholas Bodan. And we've recently seen guys like Jakob Galvis step onto the scene in the NHL and kind of immediately become one of the fan favorites. It's kind of funny how that happened in like six games for Galvis. Everyone seems to love him all of yeah. a sudden. Uh, and also Alec Regula too is someone who's getting opportunities right now over those guys. 
How concerned do you think Blackhawks fans should be about uh, the future of Nicholas Bodan and Ian Mitchell when a couple of years back, um, Stan Bowman was pretty sure they were going to be difference makers for the Blackhawks on the back end? I've, those two guys are in very different situations. So I'll start about talking about Mitchell. I think I wouldn't be concerned to see guys like Elvis and Regula getting NHL opportunities over him. I think right now, Mitchell already has NHL experience. Like he played most of last season. He knows what it's going to take to succeed in the NHL. He knows what that rhythm and that grind is like. Um, So he doesn't really need that immediate experience right now. He just needs to get better. And I think that's why he's staying in Rockford because they want him to have that consistency. He's playing 24, 25 minutes a night. He's their, their top minutes player, their number one defenseman. He's been playing really well lately. Um, putting up a ton of points the past uh, 10, 12 games. Um, so he's having a really good year. I haven't had a chance to talk with him lately. I'm actually trying to schedule that right now. Um, so I, I think I wouldn't be concerned that he's been seeing all AHL time this year because it's just about him progressing. They're trying to be patient with him, which Bowman did not have a whole lot of. And I think come next year, we'll probably see him back in the Hawks and hopefully better for it. Um, Bodan, I would be concerned about. I think he's kind of fallen down. He's even been on the third pair some nights in Rockford. He's kind of slipped behind a lot of those guys like Galvis and Pagula and Isaac Phillips um, in that pecking order. And that is a concern as a guy who was a former late first round pick. Um, I haven't gotten a, t- a chance to talk with him lately either. And I'm also hoping to talk with him soon. But I would be a little bit more concerned about what it means for him than about what it means for Mitchell. I also wanted to ask you about Blackhawks 2021 first round pick Nolan Allen. Um, obviously, he's still playing junior hockey right now, and uh, we only got a little glimpse of him in training camp and in the preseason. Um, but I feel like he's someone that Blackhawks fans really don't know a whole lot about, especially um, because he wasn't really someone that was on their radar when the Blackhawks on draft day made that swap from going to number 11 to all the way back in the first round. Most people weren't even looking uh, in that direction. And Allen wasn't even mostly considered to be a first or even a second round pick in most scouts eyes. Uh, I was curious, what have you thought about Allen? Have you been keeping up with how he's been doing at all in his junior career um, and kind of just your thoughts overall on his game and his future potentially? Yeah, I haven't followed him too closely this year. I probably should have more, but there's been a lot going on. Um, but I think I think the Hawks were impressed by sort of his hockey sense. Uh, he he's, obviously is only 18, 19 years old, but uh, he already understands the game really well. He has really good positioning and gap control. Um, and he has a big body, obviously, which I think everyone does know. Uh, it's really about him sort of progressing his... Uh, mobility and his offensive side a little bit more in juniors these next few years um, to build up that part of his game. But I think the reason why they picked him was they see maybe a a defensive defenseman, a kind of number four, number five guy, definitely not a star, but someone who understands the game really well, who's consistent and dependable, um, and, and hopefully maybe two or three years down the road can start to step into that kind of role. The Hawks have a lot of defensive prospects right now. We've obviously talked about several of them. And there are quite a few more we haven't talked about. So I think some of these guys are going to get traded. Like there just aren't that many spots for these guys. But that's not necessarily a bad thing um, to have a lot of prospects that you can move for forward prospects, which they're very lean on or for draft picks or for even NHL players. So um, I don't know if we're going to see all of these guys eventually make it. But but Alan's certainly another one who who has some value and 
Uh, well, maybe he was a little bit of a reach at 32nd, uh, still is a decent prospect to monitor. Last question I have for you today, Ben. Uh, we heard recently Derek King say that once Jonathan Taves gets back healthy, hopefully that'll be sometime soon, um, Kirby Doc is actually going to get an opportunity on the wing for the first time in his NHL career. Um, what are kind of your thoughts on that idea? And also, what are your thoughts on Doc as a whole right now? I feel like he's another guy who's kind of been tough to gauge when this Blackhawks team overall has been poor, but undoubtedly has not lived up to the expectations that everyone's kind of wanted to see. Yeah, Doc is such a fascinating situation right now. And uh, you'd obviously hope that he had developed further in his first you know, three years, although he's been pretty interrupted. Um, that was interesting to hear that he had thought about the wing. I wouldn't say it's set in stone. It was prompted by a question. It wasn't that he just offered it sort of unprompted. Um, and I think it, the Hawks might try it, but even if it doesn't go well, they might move him back to center. I, I wouldn't say it's like a huge thing to look for. Um, as far as Doc overall, I, I frankly think that he gets sort of a, a harder time from fans than he deserves. He's it's terrible. He, he really struggles at two of the most quantifiable things in hockey, which is unfortunate for him in terms of his public perception. He is very bad at faceoffs, undeniably, like one of the worst in the NHL. <laughs> and he is very bad at finishing, um, which is obviously a big key to putting up points. And those are two huge flaws in his game that are obviously problems and, and need to be improved over time. But I think he does a lot of the other things very well. He's good defensively. He has good instincts. He has a good reach. He has good positioning. Uh, he's a great skater. Um, he does really well in terms of the metrics for defensive zone exits and offensive zone entries. So sort of the middle half of the ice, uh, he's very effective there at moving the puck up, at creating chances for, a te- for his teammates. Um, I've noticed lately the past few weeks, he's been driving the net more, um, not with the puck, um, which obviously you'd like to see eventually, but um, just to push defenders back and create more space for his wingers. He does a lot of things well, but they're just not the things that show up in the stats as much as the things he does badly, which is unfortunate for him, but it means that he's better than maybe it seems like, and in a few years can hopefully become still a, a good NHL player maybe not a third overall pick kind of player, but still a guy who can put up 50 points and be really good defensively and um, maybe be like a Jordan Stahl kind of guy. Um, I think that's kind of the ceiling for him, and, and hopefully he can still get there. I think he's not as far away from getting there as it seems. One thing that really frustrates me about the perception of Kirby Doc is people see he was the number three overall pick, and they want him to be absolutely lighting up the stat sheet, but they don't do the research and go and realize that and I believe it was 62 games in his final year of juniors with the Saskatoon Blades. He only put up 73 points. Like in his last year of juniors, he wasn't a dominant offensive player. He was just a big body who was responsible defensively. He can play a two-way game. And I feel like people don't really understand that. They just see he was taking third overall. Trevor Zegras was after him. They're losing their minds. You know, I, I feel like he just gets handled unfairly and, um, I also feel like, obviously, you know, we know he deleted social media, kind of wanted to get his mind off it. Um, one last thing I wanted to ask you, I was curious when I go to practice, um, I feel like maybe this is just me. I'm also not on the ice and standing right next to Kirby. So this is kind of an outsider perspective, but I feel like I don't ever see him smiling or having a ton of fun. I, I feel like the pressure has 
kind of gotten to him a little bit. I, I was curious to see if you've seen the same thing at all. Oh, definitely. I think it's it's pretty clear that it has. His confidence uh, has been shaken a bit. Uh, the injury was a big part of it, um, but also his performance and and also the critique from the fans, uh, which clearly he was seeing, um, which which prompted him to delete the social media. Um, so yeah, I think it's not only a matter of him trying to improve with the faceoffs and the finishing, but also uh, trying to sort of reset his his mindset and and his attitude and. Um, sort of maybe block out that a little better. I think we're certainly seeing a lot of athletes going to sports psychologists more and more. And I know the Blackhawks have, have filled out that department more. So maybe that could help with that. Um, obviously, I don't talk to him on that deep a level that often. I don't know exactly what he's struggling with, but uh, certainly his confidence is a little bit of an issue. And, and you hope that as he develops more of a rhythm and as he maybe feels like he's getting more to be the guy he thinks he can be, hopefully we see that confidence start to come back because he definitely is hard on himself and kind of impatient with, with how long this has been taking. All right, Ben, thank you for joining me, man. I appreciate you taking the time. Um, definitely looking forward to our next chat. And I just want to say thank you for all the hard work that you do. I mean, you make the Blackhawks fan experience as tough as it has been over the past year. You do make it that much more enjoyable because of your hard work. So I wanted to thank you for that, good sir, and um, thank you for coming on the show, and I'm definitely looking forward to our next conversation, buddy. Yep, thanks so much, and thanks for the kind words. Yeah, happy to come on.